I, I think that sometimes people think like, oh man, if I was only this fast or if I was only this successful, forget bike racing. If I was only this successful in life, then I would finally be happy. And the answer is you wouldn't finally be happy. You would move the goalpost. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast, powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and this week we're having an open discussion on how each of us approach goal setting for both ourselves and our athletes. We figure what better time than kicking off the new year. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. When it comes to preparing physically for big goal events, people often underestimate the importance of nutrition and the role that it plays in affecting your output. Just like with the fitness side of the equation, nutrition requires its own attention through dedicated digestion training. So while you're launching into the new year, get a jump start now on your nutrition training by heading over to flowformulas.com today and using the discount code IgnitionPodcast10 for 10% off your order. And as always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions for the show, drop us an email at matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast, or you can head over to ignitioncoachco.com and fill out the Matchbox Podcast listener question form. All right, let's get into it. All right, 2024. Happy New Year, everyone. What? Yeah, Happy New Year, January 3rd. So uh, I thought we'd kick off the new year with setting some guidelines for goal setting. Uh, figured we could maybe roundtable and talk a little bit about how we go about setting our own goals, maybe how we meet with our athletes to set and establish some goals for them and just some general practices that are are good for establishing goals and how to follow through on trying to accomplish those. Don't you think we should start with why you should set goals? It's all part of it, man. You want to, you want to, you want to kick us off with why goals are important. (laughs) You have to have goals to motivate you. Like I can't stand it when people say, I just want to get faster because just getting faster doesn't like give you a picture in your mind. Like, just get faster isn't going to get you out of bed in the morning to go do your workout. If that's the scenario, like, but you know, crushing Dylan at the mid South, that, that is a worthy goal that I need to wake up every morning to, to get to work on, you know? So having like a picture in your mind, I think is important, but I did want to mention that whenever I think of goal setting at this, uh, this, picture of like a bear chasing me always pops in my head because when you, I don't know why, I think I read it in a book or something, but like it kind of goes to your like fight or flight scenario. Like it raises the bar when you set goals for yourself, because now it's like you're putting chips on the table, like you're, you're, you're risking it. Uh, like if you set a goal, there's a chance that you could fail at that goal. And when that happens, it raises the risks. And I think there has to be something at stake for it to be worthwhile. If you just say, I just want to get faster, there's nothing at stake. Um, so you're, you're not going to lose anything if you don't, you know, I guess accomplish that goal. But for some reason, and I think that kicks into drive, like your, your fight or flight system like this, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think there, that's, you know, part of the psychology behind writing down your goals versus just mm. keeping them in your head is, you know, writing them down on paper, you know, stamps that in place that, Hey, this is something that I'm actually going to put out there. Even if it's just for yourself, you know, a lot of people like to do the, you know, the, the, uh, 
the old fighter mentality where you write your goals on your mirror and you're looking at it every morning when you wake up and you're splashing your face with cold water. It's drinking like, raw you, eggs. If, yeah. if you, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you want to put your goals somewhere. If you want to write them down, you don't want to just write them down and throw them in your, you know, in, in your notepad and put your notepad back in your desk. You want to, you want to put those goals somewhere where you're going to see them every day. And the more often you see those goals, the more often you're visualizing what those goals are and what it feels like to accomplish those goals. And the more likely you're going to be to set out each day to try and, you know, work hard to, to, you know, ultimately accomplish those goals. Um, And then I think to take it a step further is to publicly put your goals out there, you know, so it's not just putting your goals on your bathroom mirror. It's maybe you're putting it on Facebook or Instagram or Strava or whatever other social media, or maybe you're, you know, telling your friends about it, talking about it on the Matchbox podcast, you know, so you know, putting it out there to where other people can hear it. And then that takes the accountability up another level. You might have people that are reaching out saying, Hey, how's that goal going? You know, or, you know, encouraging you or maybe giving you some flack when they realize, you know, Hey, you took three days off. Like, what are you doing? That's not going to help you, you know, get to, you know, run that marathon, you know, whatever, you know, finish that century ride, you know, so putting out there publicly is like taking it one step further even. Yeah. Pitcock got a lot of flack because he, he said that in an interview that he wanted to win all three world championships, road, mountain, and cross in the same year. And uh, they thought that that was like cocky of him to to say that in the middle of an interview. But I kind of took it as maybe it is cocky, but to all things aside, that's him publicly declaring a goal. So now sure. the whole world knows what Pitcock's goal is, you know? So it's Yeah, and it's not like there wasn't another, you know, a dozen other competitors who have the same goal in mind maybe they don't have the you know as much uh chances of achieving it but you know for sure there's you know a handful of other athletes out there who have that same goal in mind they just didn't you know publicly put it out there yeah i mean i can think of three athletes who are probably capable of achieving that goal the big three who probably have that goal yeah the two the two bigs and the the medium (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i mean you know so that's you know so you know it's important to set goals uh just just starting a season of of training without any goals in mind uh just doesn't give you your coach whoever you're working with whoever's helping to create yours your schedule really any anything to work towards you know you can just build general fitness sure um but having that goal gives you a, a clear guideline for you know this is where I want to go. And now I can create some steps that are going to help me get there. Yeah. So let's, let's hear from you guys. What, what are, and you can, you can put this in context of an actual goal or like, what are some ways that you, you know, go about setting goals? So I'm going to be completely honest right now. I'm, I, I, I could be leaving performance on the table. I fully admit that. I haven't done enough research into goal setting to know. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I'm the kind of athlete that Drew hates that doesn't really set goal, concrete goals at the start of the season at all. Um, wow. I didn't so, like you before, but now I really don't <laughs> like you. <laughs> I just <laughs> like I just I just don't I've I've never set concrete goals at the beginning of a season like I need to get top 10 at this race or I need to win this race or I need to be on the podium at this many races this season uh never in my life have I set concrete goals like that 
That's probably why you ended up overtrained a couple of years ago. Why? So why do went, you? Th- why do you think that would lead to overtraining? Because you probably like just put too much emphasis on without goals and without a focus. You probably went to every race having like this. I don't know. Like I, I need to perform really high at this level at every single race. I mean, I think you learned your lesson from that and you corrected it last year, maybe overcorrected it last year, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I think if you don't have like clear goals of like, here are my target races where I really want to do well, you just go to every race thinking you want to do well. And I think that could lead to burnout. Okay. Fair enough. Like I said, I'm, I'm willing to accept that I'm in the wrong here about goal setting. Uh, but I'm also not like, I'm not just, I, 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 I'll be honest. I haven't done research into whether or not goal setting actually leads to better performance or not. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe this is a uh, inspiration for your next video. I maybe. wonder if, yeah, I don't, all, he has, all he has to do is go look at how many views my goals videos got and he'll realize it's not, <laughs> not worth, not worth it. <laughs> Um, I wonder if there's like a character, uh, or a personality, like, I wonder if certain people have different, like, cause Dylan, you have, maybe you have a different personality than I do. So maybe the whole goal thing doesn't work for you. I wonder if that's a uh, dude, we have different personalities. I don't know. Like <laughs> at least when it comes to that, at I, least like, no, I was just kidding. We obviously have different personalities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's a personality thing. Like some people, So what I, what I'll say about myself and I know that a lot of people are not like this, but I'm, I'm just, what I'll say about myself is that I never struggle with motivation. If, Mm. if just, if riding 50 hours a week would make me as strong as Keegan, I would ride 50 hours a week, every week. Like motivation is never the issue for me. Then why don't you ride 50 hours a week? Because riding 50 hours a week would make me burnt out and overtrained. True. Very true. So Dylan, so how, like, what keeps you motivated then? What are you working towards? Um, I don't know. I just want to be the best. Are are you that person that just says, I just want to get faster then? Yeah, I am that person. You're just, I just want to be the best cyclist that I can be. I just want the best race results that I can get. Maybe that does work if you are motivated. Because I guess the main reason I just said that setting goals, like you need to set goals is for motivation. And I would say sure. most people probably don't have that motivation. That yeah, a lot of people about. struggle with motivation, which is why they hire a coach in the first place because they want accountability, right? Um, they want to sure. they want to know that somebody is is looking at their training peaks and seeing whether or not they actually did that workout that they did. Uh, because if they didn't have that coach looking at their training peaks, it's real easy for them to just skip a ride because they don't feel like it that day. At least it's more easy than if than if no one is looking. So I do I do want to clarify though, just because you're you're you know you're talking about not setting concrete goals, like you know I want to get a top five in a lifetime Grand Prix event this year. It doesn't mean that you still don't want those things, or that you still don't have priority races on your calendar that help you yeah. schedule your training. Like you still have those. Well, so it's, it's, you're not just going out there and saying, I'm, I don't care about anything. I'm just going to do whatever and see what happens. Like you still things. have milestones that you're like, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, big, like you probably have, maybe they're not even goals. Maybe they're like, maybe they're dreams or something. You know, it's like sure. beyond goals. Cause it's like you, you have these aspirations to like, you, you could see yourself doing this, but you're not going to like 
concrete, put it in as like, hey, this is my 2024 goal. Yeah, the things that you want are still things you want to achieve. So in a sense, they're still goals. You don't show up on the start line of a lifetime race and be like, well, we'll just see what happens. You have a place in mind you want to be. I'm sure that. when you do your your FTP test, you're shooting for something. Those are still yeah. these yeah. like micro goals. So I, you're just not writing them. I would I would agree yeah. with that. And I have A races, like the two A races on my calendar are Unbound and Leadville. And they have been for the last three years. So those are Leadville? the two races that I want to do. You should really yeah, orient your goals, dude. You, why no, dude, Le- gonna... Unbound and Leadville are the two biggest lifetime Grand Prix races. Yeah, but sometimes you need to choose goals that fit you. Leadville is for those high I mean, I got, people. I got between dude, 15th Dylan... and 20th place at every single lifetime race <laughs> that I did. So I don't know if one fits me better than another one. <laughs> I don't, yeah, true. But I'm wondering, this is like, and now we're like going deep into Dylan's goals now. But I'm like, I'm wondering if you gave Leadville less emphasis and Big Sugar more emphasis. Big Sugar's at sea level. So you could do really well there. I mean, I have the luxury with the work that I do to spend two months at altitude before Leadville. So acclimating is not an issue for me. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I never see you winning Leadville. I could see you winning Big Sugar if you like, if the right, if it worked out the right way. You know what I mean? All right. I mean, I would. Dylan, Dylan's, Dylan needs to level up his aspirations because I feel like Dylan's thinking top 10 right now. And Drew's like, which race could Dylan win? Well, so here's here's the thing. I Dude, if you're not trying to win. What are you doing? No, I am <laughs> trying to win. Like, it, for example, if I you're trying to win a race I, that you'll never win, though, Leadville, there's no way. <laughs> okay, but I I mean I would I Big Sugar I would say is a is a close third for an A race. Okay, it's kind enough. of it's kind right, of the right. A race after I've done two A races where I'm like, all right, all my chips are now going to Big Sugar. So Dylan, let's let's talk through this because this is I know you're not calling this goal setting, you know, mm-hmm. for you, but <laughs> I would still envision I, I would still categorize this as, you know, a way that you're using some you know A races to prioritize your season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some events. How are you how do you go about selecting those? Like you just mentioned those are the two, you know, Leadville and Unbound are the two biggest lifetime events. Yeah. But yeah. to Drew's point, like what if you looked at it a little bit more objectively and said, okay, which two races would be best for me I, to optimize I, I, around? So I have done That's this, the point right? I'm, That's so, the point I'm making. But I have done this, Drew. Hold on. So you're you're saying you should pick races that suit your skill set. And I agree with that. You should pick races that suit your skill set. Like, if you suck at altitude racing, you should not pick Leadville as an A race. It's just not going to go well for you. Um but to my point, I do about as well in every single Grand Prix race that I do as any other Grand Prix race. So it's not necessarily like one suits me better than another. What I've found is that I'm I'm because I come from mountain bike racing, I'm about as good in any of the Grand Prix races as I am another Grand Prix race. So the reason why I've settled on Unbound and Leadville is because they are the two biggest Grand Prix races with the most attention on them. And I like those two races. I actually genuinely enjoy doing both of those races a lot, as opposed to Schwamigan, which I could honestly, like if they took Schwamigan out of the series, I would be completely fine with that. 
I would be too, because then I could go back to actually doing well there. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's move on from Dylan. Yeah, I don't, we don't want to spend the whole time talking about you. <laughs> we do that enough already. Yeah. How about you guys, Caitlin and Drew? What, do you, what are you looking at when you're starting to establish some goals for a season? Well, I always... I think it's super important um, to set goals outside of cycling as well. I just want to touch on that. I think um, everyone strives to achieve balance in all areas of their life, but, and I can't speak to the people that um, are training and also have kids, but like never, I feel like in your life is everything balanced certain things in different seasons of your life take priority and that's fine whether it's it's work or it's training or it's family um but we strive to have balance in all areas and i feel like having goals in all areas of your life is is just super important because if one thing if one thing falls you know i if you're not achieving those micro goals leading to the bigger goals, the year end goals in cycling, but you're also seeing that you're checking the boxes in the, in the spiritual, emotional, like other areas of your life, then I mean, it, it makes, it makes it easier if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, I would say for most people in general, uh, the more well-balanced you are, the likely you are to be, to feel better all around, you know, less stressed, um, maybe, you know, more joy. Um, you, you get more fulfillment out of each of those things. And in most cases, the healthier someone is mentally and emotionally, the better they're going to perform physically. Now it's not that's not the case every time there are athletes out there that actually perform really well when they're not emotionally very healthy. Um, but that's, you know, that's, I'd say it's more unique. Um, most people are going to, are going to function better when, when things are in more balance. And, and that's actually something that I usually encourage my athletes to think about as well Is like, what are some things off the bike that, that you have goals for? And part of the motivation that, that I give my athletes for that is, that that'll make those rest days when normally you're like, oh, you know, I just want to ride. I just want to like touch my bike. I want to do all these things that are, you know, contributing to my performance on the bike. Um, if you have things off the bike that you're also trying to accomplish, that gives you the freedom to like, Hey, on those off days, like you look forward to those days because that gives you the chance to work on some other things uh, versus, yeah, just kind of, you know, constantly thinking about like, you know, or being tempted to, to ride or feeling frustrated when, your coach gives you a day off. It's like, you know, I didn't hire you to take, give me a day off. I get, you know, hired you to give me some workouts. And it's like, you know, we, we need that balance. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but there are unforeseen things that can happen in your season. I mean, you can fall and get concussed and be out for a while. And mm-hmm. instead of feeling lost, okay, now is a chance to like, I said, I was going to read two books this month. Well, now's my time. Um, yep. just kidding. I don't know if you should do that with a concussion, but you know what I mean? Binge watching movies or something. Yeah, yeah probably. True. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. I feel like this is the first year I've set physical goals outside of cycling. 
Um, so like, I want to make sure I'm running two days a week, at least we're in an area now that has Nordic ski racing. So I'm like, cool. I want to, I want to try one of those. Um, so I would encourage you, even if, you know, you are racing at a high level, um, maybe this, you plan something for your mid season break where you're like, I'm going to go try bouldering in a gym. I'm going to go try something else, but Yeah. I would say variability in training is important, but variability in life and in all areas of life is also important. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to come back to that second part that you were just talking about there. Uh, But Drew, let's, let's, let's talk about you a little bit. Hmm. Um, What is your process for goal setting? I think I look at, yeah, I agree with what Caitlin said. I have, I have a lot of goals, maybe too many, like, I like to, I like a lot of stuff, and so I always try to do probably too much stuff. Um, so that's why I like writing down my goals and having priorities is really helpful. Because like, yeah, I want to do this these DIY projects, but like, I need to plan it out to where I don't do those at the same time. I'm trying to do big races because then I'm kind of setting myself up for like, yeah, I care about both these things, but I can't do both of those things well at the same time, or you know what I mean? Like having that forethought. But I think as mm-hmm. far as my you know, racing goals. Um, I look at the events that I really enjoy and the ones that I, and I think the ones that I really enjoy are the ones that I probably have the best chance of doing well at. Like I think of like the, the, the ones that come to mind, like right off the bat are like BWR California. That's probably one of my favorite races and I've done decent there in the past. So I think that I have the capacity to get a good result there and I know it, I've done it a couple of times. I enjoy it. Um, so like, that's a big one that I, that I think about, like, I think that that suits my abilities very well, but then there's also like these big overarching goals. Like I, I want to get into that lifetime series. And so like that kind of forces you to set goals that like, I've never done Schwamm again. And I've, I've only ever DNF'd at Unbound and like, but those kinds of things are exciting. Like, I don't, I don't know what Schwamm again is like, and I've never finished Unbound, but like both of those things are are exciting to me um and so like those are you know like the lifetime series are, are some big races that i'm looking at doing but um yeah i think a lot of it has to do like you gotta you gotta enjoy it and then i think having a little bit of experience also like if schwamigan were to be my a race this year i think that would be bad because i've never done schwamigan um and so like I, I can have an idea of what it's like but to put all my chips on like that one race would be maybe the wrong call. I would want it. I would want my A races to be races that I've done before. So I know what to expect at least. Yeah. I mean, and that's for you, you know, cause your, your goals are more results oriented in that way. Um, but that's not to say that an athlete who sets out and says, you know, this year I want to finish, I want to do the Leadville 100. All right. You know, that that's a type of goal that deserves a lot of attention. And just because yeah. you haven't done it before, doesn't mean it should be a lower priority goal yeah. or shouldn't be a goal. True. You know, like there, it, it really depends, you know, but if you were, if you had never done Leadville and you just said, I'm going to go, I want to win Leadville. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, it depends on what type of goal you're, you're setting for yourself. Uh, so I want to, I want to touch back on something that Caitlin had, had talked about there. So uh, we all, except for Dylan, who doesn't want to admit it. You know, we, mm-hmm. we all we all start the season. We set these goals. We have uh, these things we want to set out to accomplish. But not everything always goes as planned. Uh, sometimes things align and you actually do get to achieve that one big goal or multiple goals. 
sometimes things get in the way, whether it's uh, scheduling or injury or, you know, um, a pandemic that like cancels everything. Like there, there are, there are things that just come up that are unplanned for that can knock those goals, you know, either completely off the table or push the timeline back. And I think it's important to have process goals along the way so that when those goals, those big goals, for whatever reason, get knocked off the table, you can still look back and think, okay, was I on track? Were there things along the way that I can be comfortable knowing I, I you know, was devoting myself to, I accomplished these, you know, shorter, you know, smaller, more achievable goals along the way. Um, and it, even if things are on track, some of those process goals just helps you confirm that, hey, hey, I'm not quite there yet, but, you know, I can look back over the last two months, see these improvements or see these micro goals that I've accomplished, these process goals. And and that helps me know that I'm I'm on the right trajectory. I think we as coaches probably use that. We might not consider them to be process goals when we're analyzing our athletes' data, but we, we we're certainly looking at metrics and trends and fitness and ability along throughout the season as we're working, you know, with our athletes towards a goal and and using those to help determine, you know, is the athlete on the right path. Dylan, I'm I'm really curious for you on this because you're talking about how you don't really have concrete goals. Are you someone that still has these process oriented goals, um, you know, or accomplishments or markers that you use that that helps you objectively look at your training progress throughout the season? And do you use that as motivation at all? Maybe I should clarify that I, because I already said I have A races and I even named what those two A races are. I just don't write down anything and I don't even have a place in mind that I'd like to get. Like, I don't say I want to get top 10 at Unbound. I just want to do as well at Unbound as I possibly can, but that but clearly I have goals because I've already said that Unbound and Leadville are my A races. A races. So yeah. I guess they're just, what I mean is they're less concrete than, say, one of Drew's goals. Probably because Drew probably has very specific goals that he wrote down, I would imagine. I haven't written them down yet. I don't think yeah, I've done this yet. Like the whole goal. Okay. Sit down and think about the year yet. For this season. You yeah, mean. for this season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think like you should experiment and write your goals down this year. I had yeah, a track I mean, coach in college who always I, said, if your goals aren't written down, they're not real. And it stuck with me. Or even, I mean, even if you don't write them down, you know, pick a place, you know, maybe I will. I mean, I, I, but I will say, though, if I find myself in a group of 10, uh, like the front group of 10 riders at Unbound this year, I'm not going to say I'm not like, let's say my goal was top 10 at Unbound. And I find myself in a group of 10 riders that's the front group. I'm not going to say, well, it doesn't matter what place I finish now because I already achieved my goal. You know, no matter what the race situation is, I will try to finish as high as I possibly can. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I do that absolutely. either. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying people do do that, but I guess I guess what I'm getting at is. I, you you could just hypothetically find yourself in a scenario in a race where you have achieved your goal that you wrote down and stop trying because you have achieved that goal. I actually talked about this with an athlete recently where 
sometimes in these long gravel races, because they're so long and grueling, and often what happens is the the front group gets smaller and smaller and smaller throughout the race. So you're constantly looking at the field and you're like, okay, now I've got top 20 in the bag because there's 20 people in this group. Okay, now I've got top 10 in the bag because there's 10 people in this group. All right, now I've got got top five in the bag because there's five people in this group. And it keeps whittling down until you either sprint it out or you solo off the front or you get dropped. It's very easy to say like, oh, I'm in the top five and I don't even deserve to be here. So when it gets really hard, you stop trying. You know what I mean? And having this mentality of no matter who you're with, like if it's freaking Pete Stetna and Keegan Swenson, you know, sometimes those big names can be intimidating. And if you're in a group with them, you're like, oh, I don't even deserve to be here. These guys are so above my level. Um, no matter who it is and no, no matter how few people are left in the race, it, it, there there should be no point in the race where you're you're kind of giving up. I'm not saying that people actually give up, but when it gets really freaking hard and your heart rate is close to maxed out, it can be easy to say, okay, well, I've got top five, so I'll, I'll just let them go because I can still get top five. Sure. Yeah, so I would say it's it's okay to also have multiple goals for a given event. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, there have been races in the past that I've set my goal as, like, I want to get top 10 here. But I also have a secondary goal that's, like, if I'm in position, I want to get a podium. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I can find myself into that front group and lock in top 10, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I did everything I needed to to get here Kill with the cat. fitness I needed, the ability. Kill your I know cat, dude. That. What is that? <laughs> I can't do it. I'm like dying right now. I couldn't. I wasn't. I was listening to a single word Adam was just saying because Dylan's cat just like hijacked the entire podcast. I think it stopped, didn't it? No, get that thing out of there. It's, yeah, it's not in the room it. right now. Put that thing back, back where it came from. More so, help me. I did. I didn't know what that was. I thought someone had like uh, the TV going or something. No, it is Dylan's cat. It is still there, dude. You're not doing anything about it. The cat is not in the the room right now. We can hear it. Close the door. (laughs) What is Scott doing to your cat? He's torturing it. All right. We can still hear it. All right. I'm going to go close the door. Hold on. (laughs) Scott. (laughs) This is turning into the Bonk Bros. This goofiness. That was so distracting. Don't worry, I, I didn't I'll, hear I'll a, edit up. Bonk I, Bros, I wouldn't edit up, but I'll edit Adam, I didn't hear a word you just said. I was so... Me and Caitlin, <laughs> all we heard was that cat. I don't even know. I was you, watching you about I don't to even. <laughs> I don't even know what you were talking about, to be honest. That was so distracting. All right, better now. Okay. All right, start over. <laughs> yeah, so... So, like, Dylan, for Unbound, mm-hmm. uh, for you, like... What I've done in the past is if it's a big race and I'm not in like, you know, I I know that winning the race is kind of like up in the air, right? Like any, who knows what can happen. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll set a goal of like, I want to be top 10. And that goal of setting a top 10 is like, okay, that motivates me. Like I want to make the front group. I want to make sure I get there with the fitness. I want to be in a good position. You make the front group. Okay. That kind of solidifies top 10 more or less. Once I'm in the top 10 though, then I have like a, you know, a bigger goal. As long as I'm in this position, now I want to like get a podium. And I might have both of those goals like going into the race and just knowing that like 
at the very least, if I get top 10, if I'm, if I just don't have the day, if I, if for whatever reason I came in prepared, everything, you know, I did everything to a T coming up with the race, but for whatever reason, I'm just not on a good day that day. Winning the race might not be on the table, but I could still probably get top 10. So if I get top 10 on that day, like I'll be satisfied. Um, but if I'm in position, if I'm feeling good, I'm in, and you know, I'm where I need to be, then my mind shifts. Okay. Now I'm like podium or I want to win this race. And I think that's like, you know, kind of what you could do here. And, and maybe sort of, I think what Drew was getting at earlier is like, if you don't have that, like a a race like Leadville, I mean, I'm sorry, Dylan, but I just, unless something catastrophically happened to Keegan, Mm -hmm. uh, no one really thinks they're going to win Leadville, right? I mean, unless Keegan has a mishap, you know? So like, that's a tough one because even if you're in the front group, like, you know, you're just expecting, you're basically relying on other things to happen to other people. Sure. Then being able to control it yourself, you know, it's like having a race instead where it's like you get in the right position. There's still a chance that you could win. Maybe that's a better race for you to prioritize like goal setting like this where you could like, cause I mean, I think unbound, like if you're in the right position, you know, if you're, if you're in that front group, 150 miles in, like you're probably still in it. Right. So like, that's, that's a race for you that suits you well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because you have that top 10 goal in mind doesn't mean you can't shift your goal mindset mid race. And sure. I would, I would definitely never expect anyone, even if you're a no name athlete and you make the front group of 10 with 50 miles to go to unbound, I wouldn't expect that athlete to just then be satisfied, like sitting in and, and just accepting top 10. Like I would hope that that athlete still has enough motivation. So I don't, mindset I don't to, like, think shift. athletes consciously accept top 10 when they could get higher. I think it's, so I think it's subconscious when it gets really hard. I, in the race. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen people talk about the fact that they made the front group. They, they, they realized they were top 10 and they were like, they've, they've expressed that they were satisfied. That's, yeah. That's moment. what I'm talking about. That's what I mean. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that we, you know, I'd like to see athletes instead switch, just switch their mindset. No, I agree. Like, yeah. I mean, top 10 is I'm not, completely in agreement off the table. Now it's like, you gotta, you gotta change your, your mindset in that case. I think yeah, I go into in races agreement. with the exact same mindset that Dylan has. Like I'm going to do the best that I can and I don't exactly put a number on it, but I do put a number on it the whole season leading up to that, because I think I set my goals like that way. Like if I want to say a top 10 at BWR California, but saying that like, makes me more committed to my training to lead up to that. Cause I want to show up that day with top 10 fitness. Yeah. During exactly. the race, I'm not going to settle for top yep. 10 if I'm in the top 10 or whatever, like I'll race exactly like what Dylan said, but everything leading up to that point, having that goal of top 10 at BWR, like motivates me to, okay, well, if, I, if that's my goal, then I need to do the work now months before that to be able to acquire the fitness required for that. But on the day of, I don't know if I necessarily start the race thinking, all right, top 10, let's do this. I think I think my goal in setting goals is to show up on at the start of that race thinking, all right, I think the fitness is there for a top 10. Let's see where it falls. And then but then I, I don't like and then I just race. Um, yeah. And and I think the reason for doing that versus setting your goal as I'm gonna win BWR California doesn't mean you can't st- still wake up and dream about 
you know, winning BWR California with your arms in the air, you know, like it doesn't mean that you're not visualizing that. It's just setting, like you're talking about here, like winning that race requires so much more than just the preparation coming in. Like there's so many variables on the day of that could lead you to fall short of that. And that's okay. Like, you know, you, you can't accomplish every single goal you set out to do, but also there might come a time where maybe you have a little blip in your training. You have to take a couple weeks off for whatever reason you get sick or something. And now winning just seems like it's not even in the cards anymore. And you just abandon that goal altogether. Whereas if your goal is like, all right, I, I, you know, top 10, like you still want to come in with fitness, like to, to, to be there. It, it makes that goal feel a little bit more attainable, even if something gets in the way and it makes it more, it feel more believable to yourself, I guess. Um, so whereas, so you're, at, you're more likely to stick to it, I think. Yeah. So we've been talking a little bit about the scenario where you are achieving your goal and you settle for that goal that you set for yourself. But then there's also the flip side where you're not achieving your goal mid race and you give up. And I can't tell you how many people, even at the professional level, do that all the time. I mean, yeah. Unbound was a perfect example of that this year. The mud section screwed almost everyone up, except for the people who actually got in the front group. And the amount of professional riders that I saw just give up 40 miles into a 200-mile race was shocking. Because so they, remember how it, <laughs> they probably remember weren't how it, currently achieving their goal. Yeah. Remember how I talked about variability in uh, all aspects of, of life and your goal setting as well. All we've really talked about was results-based goals, like where I want to finish in these races. And I understand that lifetime, it's obviously about your finishing place every single race, but I'm genuinely curious, like, do you have, because a lot of these races, all of these races at this point you've done before, like take Leadville, do you have a goal of like, I want to do power line in this time or have finished with an average power on this sector of this, like, do you have those other performance goals within these races? So it depends on the race. Uh, Leadville is really easy because it's the same course every year and it's very easy to compare year to year. And I do have a time goal that I'd like to hit. He does have goals. Let's hear it. What is it? (laughs) So this is like, this is a stretch goal for sure. But I think that as, as, technology increases and knowledge about pacing increases and knowledge about nutrition increases. I think it would be amazing. Can, can I, can I guess what I, what I think Say your it. goal time should be? Say it. Uh, six fifteen. Dude, I, this stretch goal is way more ambitious than that. Really? I'm six. Let's hear I want to, di- I want, I think it would be amazing at some point in my career to do a sub six Leadville. Dude. Yes. Which is a huge stretch goal because only three people in the history of the race have done that. And it could be the case. But but the way Keegan did it this year, though, that's like that's the Roger Banner of Leadville. Right. Like it it could be the case. Roger Bannister. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's the Roger Bannister of like he beat it by 18 minutes. You know, it's like people have been within 18 minutes of Keegan at other races. Right. Which that right now in 2024, that seems like a stretch goal, but it could be the case that in four years time, the top 10 or the top 15 are all going under six and it's not that crazy a goal. So 
Yeah. I have a new goal. I like it. I want to do that before Dylan does it. <laughs> That's my new goal. Okay. <laughs> Drew, you, you better you better move to Leadville like tomorrow. I hate altitude and I don't even have a like working mountain bike right now, but that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> no, see that's awesome. And and that would be the type of goal that I could see you like putting on painting on your wall, being like sub six Leadville. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe you don't need that motivation. Oh, like it's me. just mine would just be beat Dylan. No. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's my goal. Always beat Dylan. So, so to go back, so to kind of circle back again, what would be some process goals that you would have to put in place, and how would you go about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this those? is important to talk about. There's if for racers, there's usually a race result that they're chasing, and that is the ultimate goal is the race result. But then there's things along the way, uh, like process goals, where we might be talking about you. Know, you want an FTP that's this, you want a watts per kilo that's this, you want to, you know, you want to be able to ride a hundred miles, you want to be able to do this or that or whatever. Um, Certain things that kind of demonstrate that you're at that level before you get to the race. Um, So yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say I set those goals along the way too. Uh, I, again, I don't write them down. Like I don't write down that I want to, raise my ftp by 10 watts this year but if that happened i mean that's something that i would shoot for on an ftp test when i'm in good shape i think an easy goal an easy process goal that every athlete who races should set for themselves it's probably like at the top of the list is to just be as prepared as possible on race day so like when you're at the race do everything that you can to be ready to race like don't leave anything unturned, like have your breakfast planned out and have your everything planned out. Like if you're going to put all this emphasis into a race, I think the what you do leading up to the start, like from the point of like two days before the race to the start of that race, you need to nail all that stuff. And I think that's a, I, to me, that's low hanging fruit for process goals. Cause then that's going to set you up for your performance goal in the race. Uh, and you can control all of those things if you if you want to. Yeah, well, you know, or, or I think you know, like I um, sometimes I'll encourage my athletes this time of year to let's go an entire month where you don't miss a workout. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I, I set my my training plans for my athletes on the somewhat conservative side. Like, so they're, they're never really feeling overstretched unless we're in a critical time of training. So the training plan execution should be quite manageable for most of my athletes. And I give them a little bit of freedom and flexibility to add on to that if they want to. Um, but if you hit the bare minimum of what I prescribe, it's going to be manageable, but it's also going to be, you know, progressive to the point where we're going to see improvements. So I say that in that my athletes should know that if if they put their mind to it and they prioritize whatever else in their life that allows them to have that window of time to be able to put in the work that is prescribed, uh, it should be accomplishable. And part of that process goal is time management and meal planning and some of these other habits that help promote those good habits or th- th- those 
that help promote the likelihood that you'll be able to execute the, the plan once you have those good habits in place. So like for most of my athletes, or I think maybe all of my athletes, I encourage them January 1st, adopt one new training habit this month that you can implement this year that's going to help promote good training execution. So I just mentioned a couple. Uh, meal planning, time management, um, nutrition planning for on your bike, laying out your kit the night before, putting all your workouts in your schedule so that you know you have you have a dedicated window of time that you're going to do your training. Like These are some of the things that I do in my, my training, and it helps to make sure that I can, it, that I have the ability to execute my training to a T. Uh, and, and then the execution is just up to me at that point. There's, there's no other factors. Um, and that's, that's a really critical one for any athlete that's training for anything. You know, us as elite athletes, we know we, 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 we experience the value of consistency, but for a lot of athletes, they, they, they underestimate how important consistency is. They, they think that, you know, it's going to be that knockout workout that's going to move the needle, but really it's just getting in there day in, day out, being consistent, doing the small things on a, on a daily basis that contributes to, you know, long-term progression and improvement. So that's, that's like that, that's a process goal that I encourage all of my athletes. It's like, Hey, let's just try, let's make it one month, dig deep, get your priorities straight. Don't miss a workout. And for most my athletes, like that should be something that can, that can be accomplished if, if things go as planned. I like it. <laughs> I was going to mention um, there's this really interesting uh, concept within sports psychology called the arrival fallacy, where we set these big performance based goals. And you actually, let's say you actually achieve those goals. Like, let's just say world championships. I want to be the world champion. Uh, and they found that, like, once somebody accomplishes this big goal, their motivation and overall happiness. Like they basically go into this state of like depression after they reach that goal because they had all this like pint up, like they thought everything would be perfect when they reached that goal. Um, and it's not, you know, like you're still the same person you were the day before you were the world champion, you know? So, uh, but the whole point that they, I guess the overarching thing to take away from that, the arrival fallacy is that we find our, our happiness and our motivation in the process. Um, like we think that we're training and training and training so that we can win these races. But like, if you take a step back and realize like, actually most of the enjoyment that I'm feeling and the happiness that I'm getting is from the work and the process and the training. Yeah. Um, so just realize, like just knowing that I think helps me to like knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm better or I'm, I'm at my best when I'm focused and training, um, kind of motivates me to stay focused on training and staying structured and in the process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that sometimes people think like, Oh man, if I was only this fast or if I was only this success, forget bike racing. If I was only this successful in life, then I would finally be happy. And the answer is you wouldn't finally be happy. You would move the goalpost. You know, mm -hmm. like yeah. if I got sub six at Leadville, I wouldn't be happy with sub six. Then I'd want to go sub five fifty. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Bam. 
I listened to this podcast with um, Peter Tia, and he had on there, I forget his name, but he's actually a professor who studies the science of happiness. And this is the class that he teaches. And if I could go back and take a class, I would take this. It had been the guy that wrote the book, The Happiness Advantage. There's a book called The Happiness know, Advantage. Maybe. It sounds very similar to what he you has just a said. A couple books out, potentially. Um, and. In its simplest form, he broke it down. What uh, creates long-lasting happiness is something that brings pleasure, that is shared with people, and a memory is formed. Um, that's why if you look at like Budweiser commercials, they're not showing how they're usually used, which is some guy you know smashing a six-pack <laughs> by himself in front of his TV. It's always... They're drinking beer, they're with people, they're having this experience that's creating a memory. And if you translate translate that into cycling, like cycling can bring you pleasure, but if you're always doing it by yourself, are you like, maybe it's going to lose its I ride by myself like 95% of the time. (laughs) But at least you have these these races where you go out and it's about... To some degree, it's about the experience and you're sharing it with people and for you, like CJ and Andy go. And so I feel like it's super important um, just for the level of sustainability, like, you know, making making it fun and, you know, forcing yourself, okay, this weekend, this endurance ride, I'm going to like call up my buddy and I'm going to make sure we go out together. Um. Totally forgot where I was going with this. Oh, the happiness well, element. And yeah. and it's uh it's been shown that when you bring someone into your goal with you, you know, like, hey, let's set this goal together. Let's both work towards trying to get to this goal, that there that external motivation and accountability like significantly increases the chances that both of you will actually achieve those goals versus if two people set out independently with that same goal, but never told each other, the likelihood Mm -hmm. of them achieving that versus when they're doing it together, uh, is like drastically reduced. So like some Mm -hmm. friendly competition, like me and Dylan, both trying to get some (laughs) six at, at Leadville. (laughs) You and I have the same goal. It's both to beat Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was good. That was hey, good. Caitlin, it was uh, wow. Arthur Brooks was the guy. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I know uh, how he got on the topic because he mentioned, you know, people finish these lofty goals and they go into this like, okay, well, what's next? And that wasn't as satisfying as they thought it was going to be. But, um, yeah, if, you know, if that was you and you found that achieving results-based goals at the end of the season wasn't really doing it for you, then maybe you throw events on your calendar that are going to give you an experience. Um, you're still going to try and do the best you can. Um, you still might have some performance goals within those events, but it's not purely res- results based. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that kind of goes back to like, you know, setting process goals like maybe you you, maybe your process goals are what motivates you and the event is just like the reward Mm -hmm. you know and you're not worried about any performance coming out of that but you do all the pro you set the process goals to prepare you for whatever that event is you know and then you get to go there and and i used to get a little bit 
Um, I wouldn't say frustrated, but I like I would try and encourage athletes that came to me and said, you know, I just want to, I just want to be able to finish this race and feel good at the end of it. And I'm like, well, we we got to have something more concrete than that because like, how do you, how do you define that? Like, how do you say that you know you want to get through a hundred hundred mile ride and feel good? Like, what does that feeling good feel like? And I and I used to not like that when they came to me and said that, but now my mindset's a little bit different to where I'm like, okay, cool, like we that that race that event that you know grand fonda whatever it is that's just your reward you mm-hmm. you're gonna you get to use this process of training to help you prepare for that and then you just get to go to the event and know that you came in well prepared and you get to actually just enjoy that event and now i understand that a little bit different than than i initially did when i first started working with athletes that came to me and had you know a goal like that in mind um because it allows us to, yeah, set these other process goals that helps motivate them, um, keep them on track, uh, keep them feeling happy throughout the season. And then they just get that reward at the end of the season for all their hard work by getting through this event, feeling good, looking at their buddies or whoever they're they're riding with uh, and being like, yeah, these guys are suffering and I'm, I feel great. And, and I'm actually okay with that now. I used to not be, but I, um, that's, that's something that I've, I've come to, you know, kind of accept and embrace when it when it comes to me like that because then it excites me i'm like yeah we we get to reward you with a good time you know in in getting through that event knowing that you put in some hard work along the way yeah i mean i i think that if you're a competitive racer that's shooting for a result maybe the goal do this event and finish it feeling good doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you but there's a lot of people who have that goal. And I mean, simply what they mean is like they could finish a hundred mile race, but be cramping and bonking and like slog to the finish. And it, you know, they finish close to the back and they're just like, Oh man, that was a miserable experience. Or they could be fit enough that they actually had a good time doing the race. And I think that's what they mean when they say that. Yeah. And, and approaching the race differently too, because the the former of what you were just describing is basically every elite racer at any long gravel race it's sure. like it's really not i mean it's we enjoy the the grueling nature of hard racing but you rarely finish a race feeling good yeah right? you, it's like if you, you finish you feel you finish terrible. feeling good you didn't go hard enough you better be blowing chunks at <laughs> if, the finish line if, and passing if your goal out. is results <laughs> orient you know results are performance oriented but if your goal is to hey like kaylin's talking about like this event looks super sick i just want to go there for the experience and i want to be able to take in the experience and not be uh you know held down by the fact that i, I don't have enough fitness to even enjoy it right so there, there are different types of events and different types of uh, mentalities of you know how you're going about it finishing those nah pure joy comes when you're nah, <laughs> pure joy comes when you're when you're barfing and passing out I, people... I, so so drew i actually like i mean for myself i totally agree with you if if i i'm the happiest after an event when i know that there's not one single thing that i could have done to do better than i did like if i feel like i put all of myself out on the course i'm happy with the race yeah, but I finish every race thinking like, man, I could have done that better. Or I could have done this better. Sure, I, every I, race. I'm, I know it's a it's a hard goal to achieve. <laughs> yeah, it's not it easy to achieve that, but right. it, it's right. it's the happiest that I am is when I so I think finish a race. I think and I'm like I couldn't have done I th- better. I think we finally 
came to the conclusion that Dylan's goal for this year is to blow chunks on the finish line of Leadville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we're we're almost an hour in. We're kicking off the new year with uh, this is basically a double episode here. Um, but I think I think this is fun. This is a fun conversation. It's it's cool to hear that you know each of us have a little bit different approach with with goal setting or whatever you'd want to call your uh, your thing, Dylan. Um, but I, I think, you know, anyone out there who's listening, it, it is important to just have something, some, some visualization of where this year is going to go. Because if you just set off this year and don't have any idea of, of things that you want to achieve along the way, you're, you're just likely going to veer off path of, you know, you don't even know what path to be on. So, uh, if there's anything that you want to accomplish or achieve, like, you know, having some goals in mind is, is super important and yeah, kick off the new year. Right. Okay. We'll see you guys. See ya. See ya. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title, the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn more about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go. Ready to start working with a coach that'll make you faster? It's easy. Just go to the Ignition Coach Co. website and fill out our athlete form, and we'll connect you to the best suited coach for the job. You'll jump on a free consultation, determine if it's a good fit, and determine a start date. If you don't feel the vibes with that coach, well, then no sweat. We'll connect you to another coach that might be better. And then it's off to the races, or at least off to the training for the races. Don't wait any longer. Sign up today.